If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. All right, everybody, welcome to your own book show on this, um, what is it? It's a Friday night. Friday night. And uh, I am in London, still in London, still the same hotel room. As you can see, I'll be here tomorrow, I'll be here Sunday, probably do shows on both those days. Um, If you have ideas of what you'd like me to do a show on, let me know. Uh, I am flexible, so uh, I'm going to try to do a show on Saturday, try to do a show on Sunday. Today's kind of a stretch. It's like, it's 11.30 at night. Just so you appreciate the effort I go through to to um, put a show together. All right. Anyway, uh, we are uh, ready to rock and roll and to uh, do the show. Yes, I'm at the W Hotel. Uh, in uh, at uh, Leicester Square in London. Um, hopefully, they don't start yelling at me because uh, I'm yelling at my computer, and I've probably got a neighbor in the room next door. Uh, but um, <clears throat> we have a show. So today, what happened today? What did I do today? Yeah, today I did a podcast over Zoom with somebody, and um, and then uh, this evening. I went to the GB News studios and I did uh, I did the show, the Mark Dolan show, which I do every time I'm in London now. They have me on the Mark Dolan show and it's great. There's a lot of fun. This time, if you remember, last time I was on the Mark Dolan show, we got into this debate about privatizing healthcare and about the NHS. So this time, he brought me on just to debate that and he brought on like a doctor from the NHS and a nurse from the NHS and me. And it was like Mark Dolan, the doctor, the nurse, versus Euron Brook about, and the theme was privatizing the NHS. Um, and uh, it was, uh, I thought it was quite good. So I got, I got to, I got to say that we need a hundred percent privatized the NHS, and why, and uh, why we need private healthcare, and why healthcare is no different than any other industry. Uh, so I got all the all the content I, I, I wanted basically out there. Because it was a debate, I got less time than I often do with Mark Dolan, but it was still great. I'm sure next time I'm in town, I can do it again. So uh, it's it's great to have, uh, to have this one media outlet that will pretty much carry me whenever. Anyway, tomorrow, Jennifer, are you listening? Tomorrow, 
uh, I will be on with Neil Oliver on um, on uh, GP News. I'll be on um, on some kind of panel. The topic is kind of boring, and I told them I don't know if I have anything interesting to say. But then I figured, what the hell? I mean, I'll be on TV. I can say something. And whatever I say is probably going to be more interesting than anything else that's being said. Ooh, I didn't turn on the light here. Um, and uh, so I'll be on, um, on Neil Oliver's show uh, tomorrow at um, like 6, I think it's 6.15 London time, something like that. So uh, that'll be fun. And um, we're going to be talking about, here's, here's one for you. You guys could tell me what I should say. You guys probably know more about the topic than I do because I'm, I'm not very good at these kind of topics. Uh, the topic is going to be Hunter Biden. So uh, I'm going to have to come up with something intelligent to say about Hunter Biden or the Hunter Biden affair or the Hunter Biden, I don't know what to talk about it. Anyway, I, I will come up uh, with something. Um, I'll dig up some dirt on Hunter Biden. I think I've got some contacts in Ukraine um, that uh, that uh, I know pretty well. Maybe 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 we can go behind enemy lines, behind Russian lines, and and get some dirt on Hunter Biden and reveal it on GB News on uh, Neil Oliver's show tomorrow. Uh, it's a bit of a waste. I think they they could use me for um, for something uh, for something uh, for a better topic. But um, anyway. Tomorrow, 6.15, London time, basically two hours before the, the, the Game 3 of the Celtics-Bucks uh, game, uh, I'll be on GB News on uh, Neil Oliver. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it because Jennifer's like been talking about Neil Oliver for months, and, uh, and I've, I I don't think I've really interacted with Gene Oliver, with um, Neil Oliver, so I, I'll get to meet him. And... Um, you know, that'll be cool. Maybe he'll like me and maybe he'll invite me back to the show and I'll become a regular, not just on Dolan's show, but also on uh, on uh, Neil Oliver's show. And, you know, maybe I'll be I'll become a, 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 a you know, they'll give me a show on GB News. That would be cool. Imagine me having a show completely. I could run the whole thing, interviews, who I brought in as guests. And then I, I could just do my monologues, just make it up as I go, drive the producers crazy. They would go they would go nuts because I would improvise constantly because I hate having everything written out and, and, and be ready. Anyway, that's my dream is to dominate media. Um, yeah, I think I think this would be good. Anyway, so um, that's kind of the background story. What are we going to talk about today? Yeah, I want to say a little bit about the leak. I want to talk about the New York Times attempt at a hit piece on Elon Musk. Um, new data on um, on uh, COVID lockdowns, which is interesting. Plus, the whole China situation with COVID lockdowns uh, is interesting. And and then uh, some updates about uh, the war in Ukraine. Um, do I have any updates on the war in Ukraine? Sure, I have updates on the war in Ukraine. We'll get some updates on the war in Ukraine, so uh, we can cover that as well. Um, anyway, of course, as you know, the way we fund the show, we fund it with Super Chat. We fund it through contributions that you guys make. Um, and uh, you can do that by asking a question. You can do that by just supporting the show. 
Uh, so all, the, all this travel and all my ability to do the show while I'm traveling and all of that is is you funding it, you making it possible. So thank you for doing that. Um, and um, James G wants me for two dollars to uh, give uh, give uh, my views on how the London economy is in 2022. All aspects, every single aspect of the London economy. I don't know. For two bucks, I mean that all aspects sounds like a show, and that sounds like like six hundred bucks at least for something like that. Anyway, we'll get to James G's question about the London economy as well um, at some point here. All right. Uh, yes, I wanted to remind you we fund the show uh, from your with your support. You can um, express that support in the super chat by asking questions or by just making a contribution. We have goals. Uh, the goal every night is 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 six hundred bucks. Uh, we reached it two nights ago, three nights ago, whenever we did the show. Um, we were, uh, you know, we've got a long way to go tonight to get to that goal. So take that into account. Um, uh, it, we also, of course. Um, uh, it's not just super chat. You can also make monthly contributions to support the Iran book show and everything that I do. You can do that on iranbookshow.com slash support. You can do it on Patreon. You can do it on Subscribestar. Um, again, many, 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 many of you who listen to the show, many of you who listen to the show regularly do not yet support it financially. Um, and, and I would ask you to consider supporting it financially. The fact that you listen to it regularly means that it is a value to you, I think. Uh, and uh, if it's a value to you, it would be great if you traded with me value for value by making a contribution. It could be two bucks a month. It could be $500 a month at, or anywhere in between. But I really would appreciate it. Patreon, subscribe stall, locals, uh, or uh, com slash support, which is basically PayPal. So all of those venues are open, and of course the Super Chat is open as well. So uh, particularly to those of you who are not listening live, who do not use the Super Chat to support the show, that is the way to do it. And I'm sorry I'm taking so much time about that, but um, we got to get revenues up. Um, me being sick, me being traveling and everything like that, the the uh, subscriptions are a little down. All right. Um, I also want to remind you that I have two major subscriber sponsors of the show. The first sponsor is ExpressVPN. Uh, I use ExpressVPN when I travel all the time. If I want to check on my bank accounts, if I want to, if I want a secure line, uh, if I want, it's right here on the top of my uh, top of my uh, thing. Then I use ExpressVPN. If you go to expressvpn.com/slash/iran, you will get three extra free months to your subscription. So when you subscribe to ExpressVPN, it just routes your connection to the internet through servers so they can't really find where you are and it's more difficult for them to hack you and interrupt you. Maybe it's impossible. So I use it whenever I'm doing anything sensitive on my computer. Um, I, I Plus, if I want to watch the Celtics game tomorrow, um, I have to fool the internet into thinking I'm in the United States so I can get Sling or I can get ESPN so they can watch the game. So I use VPN to do that, um, ExpressVPN to do that. So uh, if, if you do that, you get three extra months, expressvpn.com slash Iran. The other sponsor of the show is the Fountainhead, Fountainhead, the book, right? Fountainhead, uh, Ayn Rand's book, 
casts.com, fountaineadcastsonewood.com. Uh, here, uh, we've got an objective sculptor who is actually uh, selling casts of classical sculpture, class of, of, of old sculpture. If you want to, like I do, make your environment beautiful, uh, surround yourself with beauty, surround yourself with art. Uh, it, one way to do that is is to find some of the classic art that you love and buy these casts. These casts are not expensive. You can buy them online. There's an incredible catalog. I mean, dozens and dozens of these of these uh, uh, of these uh, beautiful sculptures, uh, and you can bring them into your home. You can start with one, two, three, four, and you can start spinning them around. Uh, I think they're pretty amazing. Uh, and I encourage you to check out the catalog. At least check out the catalog and then see. Maybe something will jump at you that is particularly beautiful, that particularly you want. So it's fountainheadcasts.com. The links are below in the description. Uh, and you can get them uh, And you can get them down there. All right, James G. got the hint and put 20 bucks, uh, put 20 bucks behind this. So I will... I will definitely cover that, and we will we will talk about the economy here in um, in London. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, Bonnie Bertrand says that I work hard enough for unlimited support. I do, I do. I, I try to provide you with value. Be great if you provided value back. All right, too much to talk about that stuff. The leak. So as you know, and I talked about this last show, I talked about the content um, and towards the, uh, about the, the leak of the Roe versus Wade uh, 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 proposed repeal, uh, the opinion by uh, uh, Judge Alito. And um, I talked familiarly about the decision itself and about what I think about the decision, about what I'd like to see in terms of abortion and, and everything like that. But... Um, and towards the end, I kind of threw out a comment about the fact that the leak was truly horrific, and I thought it justified uh, a little bit more. Leaking a document like this is is truly undermining of the authority of the Supreme Court, of the independence of the Supreme Court. Um, it is it is an attempt to turn everything into mob rule democracy people yelling at one another, people placing pressure on one another. Um, you know, the Supreme Court is is one of the last institutions, American institutions, uh, American institutions that is still functioning. I, I mean, I disagree with so many of the rulings. I disagree with the reasoning behind the rulings. I disagree with, and as I said, I'm very critical of, of the understanding of people like um, uh, like our conservatives, like uh, uh, like um, uh, Alito's understanding of the concept of individual rights and what it means and how to apply it, and I'm very, you know, I'm an idealist, and I and I, I want the Supreme Court to have a proper, uh, objectivist understanding of individual rights and to rule accordingly. That's not going to happen. So within their understanding of 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 the ideas, within the sc- scope of what they do, it is one of the last institutions in our great republic that still functions that still works that is hasn't become uh, just a mockery and hasn't become uh, just just uh, filled with pressure groups and tug of war and, and 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 just 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 tribalism and 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 
you know, even the Supreme Court has become more of that because it used to be that you, some judges you couldn't tell exactly how they would rule in a particular opinion, and it's become more that you can tell exactly these are the left, these are the right, they do this, they do that, and and that's unfortunate. But uh, it's still a place that's intellectual. It's still a place where they write opinions, where they give you arguments, where there's real debate, they ask questions, people come and present before them, they ask questions, they debate internally, they have discussions, they write drafts, they edit the drafts, they disagree. Even a majority opinion, there might be there might be a few different majority opinions and there might be a a few different dissenters because people are are making an intellectual case for their position and they see it important to write out that intellectual case and and God, we live in such a anti-intellectual culture. We live in a Twitter world and to see, I I, I don't know if it's a 70-page or 90-page opinion, an essay basically written, articulating somebody's opinion about something, even if you disagree with it, you have to admire it. And whoever leaked this, may the wrath of hell be upon them. I don't know. I, I mean, it, it truly is horrific. It undermines the institution. It, 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 it is explicitly meant to encourage pressure uh, on the institution from a variety of pressure groups. It is a way to undermine the, 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 the functioning of this great uh, institution uh, undermine its process. Uh, again, the process is what is what is good about this. Um, it you know so it's 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 truly tragic that this has happened, and I'm not sure how the court is going to respond. I hope they catch catch the the person who did this. Um, I hope I hope he gets kicked out. I hope he's shunned by the profession. Uh, but it's it, I think it's really important for them to catch him, and I think it's really important for for Roberts, the Chief Justice, to send a clear message that how inappropriate this behavior is. And and maybe all the judges, whether they agree with the majority opinion or not, all the judges should should voice their opinion that this is unacceptable and, and that they will not allow this to have uh, problems. Um, so... Um, I, I just wanted to, to to be clear in expressing my disdain for this, even though it gives us something to talk about, even though it prepares us, even though, uh, you know, I'm one of the people in one of the pressure groups trying to influence the court. But, but uh, you know, they're going to do what they do, hopefully, based on their own uh, views and, and judgment. Uh, even if it's the wrong thing, the battle for individual rights will continue. We will continue it here on the Iran Book Show, and uh, uh, you know wherever there are uh, people who understand what individual rights are, understand the importance of individual rights, understand how crucial it is for civilization, the battle will continue. We will not let it go. All right, um, let's see. So, um, free trade. Thank you for keeping track of the dollars coming in. I appreciate it. So that uh, that's what I want to say about the leak. Um, I guess you could say more, but that's what I want to say about the leak. I, I want to talk a, a little bit about God, the, the hysteria and the panic on the left, 
primarily on the left, uh, although there are people on the right who aren't happy about this, but the, the panic and hysteria on the left about Elon Musk buying Twitter. Um, I, I mean, there really is a panic. Remember, this is the left that used to be, used to be, in Ayn Rand's day, certainly, used to be uh, pro-free speech. It, it, you know, one of the arguments about, uh, you know, that the, the right wants to violate our rights in one way and the left wants to violate our rights in a different way, but the, 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 the virtue of the left was that they were the party of free speech and, and, and uh, really the right was pro-censorship, pro-limits on free speech uh, and, and pro-limits pro on exercising our, right, our First Amendment right. And I don't think that is flipped because I don't think the right is pro-free speech. But it certainly has become true that the left is anti-free speech and that the left is completely uh, rejected. And it's not, it's not in terms of just kind of legal uh, free speech from the perspective of government uh, because I think that in the United States is still, at least at the federal level, pretty well protected. It's protected by, by a, a court that has been uh, over the last, I'd say, 10 years, maybe one of the best courts for free speech issues um, around, and, and here I give credit to the conservatives on the court that have really been defenders of free speech. Uh, but the left has it, it has become an advocate for a culture of limiting the conversation, of limiting what's acceptable, of of, of limiting what is expressed uh, in um, uh, uh, on public forums, at universities. And of course, on social media. And what what Elon Musk has said is that on Twitter, when he buys Twitter, he intends to um, he, he intends to expand what is permissible uh, in terms of uh, in terms of on Twitter. Again, it's a private company. I think the previous regime on Twitter had every right to decide what the limitations they wanted, what things they wanted and did not want to be expressed on Twitter. And I think Elon Musk as a private, uh, as, as a new owner of Twitter, has a right to define those parameters any way he wants. As I've said often before, I think he's going to discover that it's a much trickier, uh, much trickier to do it than it is to argue for it. But, but Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. We will see. I might be wrong, and he might know exactly what he's doing. But what is horrifying and amusing at the same time is kind of the panic on the left as if, uh, you know, this is somehow some kind of uh, 
some kind of disaster that is going to befall the country, the fact that more people will be able to express themselves on Twitter. God, the world will end. And it also is bringing out, you're seeing, partially with this misinformation, council or board or whatever they call it uh, that, that the Biden administration is creating, what they view as misinformation, which is the kind of stuff that they want off of Twitter, and it ultimately I think they want the government to somehow ban or censor or limit or, 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 or whatever. Uh, hard to tell exactly. We'll see how this evolves. Um, so it's what's going on right now is very, very revealing of the left's kind of really horrific anti, um, anti-speech not necessarily, uh, and now with the with this board, their inclination to censor, at least their inclination to uh, to um, flag things they don't like as misinformation, and really is things they don't like. So, as part of the campaign to kind of um, make Elon Musk look bad, uh, the New York Times wrote a uh, a, a profile of Musk. Um, and, I mean, the profile is fine and there's nothing in the profile that really should cause anybody to, oh, my God, he's a monster. They couldn't find, they didn't find the dirt on him that I think they were looking for, So, which was interesting. But here is a sentence from uh, this article. And it, it's shocking um, and it, it, it truly... Uh, um, Shocking and it's 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 upsetting. Um, that this is the Great New York Times, or what was a long time ago, the Great New York Times. Just just the the logic and the incapacity to think that this couple of sentences reflect. So here, as you probably know, Elon Musk is an immigrant. Uh, he immigrated to the United States from well from Canada, but originally from South Africa. He is in South Africa, and here is. Um, here is the, the, the sentence about him growing up in South Africa. Elon Musk grew up in a South Africa that saw the dangers of unchecked speech. Now, that should just make you fall over. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Grew up in a South Africa that saw the dangers of unchecked speech. I mean, South Africa, under apartheid, was a country of censorship, of government censorship. South Africa, under apartheid, was a country, was a regime of unfree speech, not unchecked speech, unfree speech. Indeed, uh, the newspapers in South Africa who... I think many of them were anti-apartheid or, or, or dismissive, would often show up on your doorstep with half the article, with a number of articles blanked out, blank, black, covered up, all the text covered up. It was a way for the, for the newspaper to, to show you what government censors, censors had censored. So in South Africa, the government would not allow 
speech that objected to apartheid. And it says that indeed, if you if you spoke up against apartheid, if you demonstrated against apartheid, you went to jail. Uh, and I know this. Uh, I know this because I mean I know this for a lot of reasons. You can read about it. You can study it. But as it happens, it's a little personal. My parents were both born in South Africa, like Elon Musk. Uh, my parents hated apartheid, as Elon Musk, I think, did. And they left as soon as they could. They emigrated out of South Africa to Israel. Uh, my uncle, my mother's brother, was actually an anti-apartheid activist whose speech was silenced, silenced and who actually sat in jail. Um, the, the government actually jailed for his opinion, for his speech. And he was ultimately kicked out of South Africa. He was deported out of South Africa, even though he was a citizen born in South Africa because of his anti-apartheid activism and was forced out of the country. He ultimately um, uh, had a leave, uh, had a, uh, lived in the UK and ultimately um, settled in Portugal. But so, so what are you talking about? I mean, listen to this. Again, Elon Musk grew up in a South Africa that saw the dangers of unchecked speech. No, it saw the dangers of government censorship. It continues. That's a colon. I'll, I'll read it again. Elon Musk grew up in a South Africa that saw the dangers of unchecked speech. Colon. Apartheid government propaganda fueled violence against black people. Yeah, but that was government propaganda. That was government having a misinformation council board and censoring objections to their falsehoods. Indeed, governments are responsible for most propaganda. Governments are responsible for much of the misinformation. It's unbelievable. More speech, certainly the government allowing more speech, and then just a culture that allows for more speech and a culture that allows for people to objecting to uh, uh, what's conventional, to objecting to the consensus, to objecting to what the government argues, is a culture that is likely to get rid of apartheid. So indeed, if you're anti-apartheid, what you want is more speech. So here they're turning it all upside down. Elon Musk grew up in South Africa that saw the dangers of unchecked speech. No, it saw the dangers of censorship. Apartheid government propaganda fueled violence against black people. True. But that's government propaganda. You want your government propaganda? Musk didn't experience that. He grew up in a bubble of white privilege. First of all, What is that even, you know, do we really know that? From my understanding, reading a little bit about other people who written about Musk, uh, he, he didn't like apartheid as a teenager. He objected to it. It's one of the reasons at 17 he left South Africa and, and, and never looked back, never went back, you know, went to Canada. Um, he probably did grow up in a bubble because I know all of my relatives grew up in bubbles, fearful. Of, of the people that were being oppressed. But 
from what I've read, Musk actually was friendly, uh, had friends who, who were black and, 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 and had a very negative opinion about apartheid. So what are you trying to imply here? And look, he, he, was, he was born into the system. He didn't choose it. As soon as he could choose, as soon as he could impact change in his own life, he left. What more do you want? So the New York Times is trying to smear him based on something he had no control over. Associate him somehow with apartheid. It's, uh, it's truly, it's truly hard. It's hard to understand what these people are thinking. Uh, no, it isn't actually. It's easy to see that they are not thinking. They're just not thinking. There's no thought involved here. They'll say anything, they'll do anything to smear him. Why? Because he has a vision for a private company that's different than their own. They used to defend uh, Twitter's right to, 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 to can't, you know, not to carry Trump or whatever based on the idea that they were a private company. Funny how the left was protecting property rights. But now that Elon Musk is buying it, and maybe they won't block the people that the left wants them to block, now it doesn't matter that they were a private company. They should do what the New York Times tells them to do. It's stunning, right? Stunning. <sighs> yep. And New York Times, by the way, is doing very well financially. 9.1 million subscribers at the New York Times. So whatever they're doing, it's working for their business. So, And they're a private company. They can do what they want. It's just insanity, and, and we should call them out on, on the insanity. All right. Uh, don't forget to like the show um, before you leave the show. It's always... Give it the thumbs up, just reminding you to do that. Um, if you are on Twitter, if you have a Twitter account, why don't you go on Twitter right now and, and share this on Twitter, and that way we'll get more people coming over and watching the show live. So just go and share it right now. Click the share button on Twitter and share it, and that that that'll be a great way for you to help promote the show. All right, anything else we want to talk about uh, with regard to New York Times at Elon Musk? I think that about covers it. Um, and uh, anyway, all right. Um, Buzz Galil says, you should read Wall Street Journal, not the New York Times. Well, if I, if I don't read the New York Times, how will I know what the left is thinking? I mean... It's it, it, it is it doesn't matter if the woke movement is going to decline. The New York Times will survive. The New York Times is growing. It has more influence than ever. Uh, it's growing subscribers, and um, you have to know what the left is thinking. And by the way, the Wall Street Journal is not a lot better than the New York Times. Uh, the the actual front page, and the um, and the actual front page and the articles written in the Wall Street Journal are almost all left. You know, a tilted left. The only thing in the new was in the Wall Street Journal that does not tilt left is the editorial page. So I read the Wall Street Journal and I read the New York Times and I read 
some of the Washington Post, and I read a hundred other different things. You can't, you can't just read one source because you don't know. And the fact is that you have to do that just to know what's going on in the world because um, not all these newspapers have reporters that cover all the different stories. And if you want to know what's going on in the world, if you want to have a sense, you have to scan the New York Times, you have to scan the Wall Street Journal, you have to scan a bunch of other papers in order to know what's happening. Yeah. All right, Boaz shared the channel on Twitter. And look, we got a bump in number of people watching live. So you too can share the channel, share the show on Twitter, and we'll get a bump up in terms of uh, in terms of you. So please do that. That'd be great. We're at about $200 on the way to 600 So uh, jump in whenever you want to uh, support the show. Okay, one couple more stories, and then we'll get to the, to the questions. It is, what is it? It's midnight. It's uh, 12.05 here in London. Um, Let's see. Me and Thessie are on the uh, same time zone for a change. Um, COVID lockdown. So the World Health Organization today, or yesterday, I think, released a study that looked at excess deaths across the world, country by country, uh, during the COVID pandemic. And, and, you know, uh, you could link that up to uh, lockdowns. And and looking at it... um, Looking at it, you can see an interesting pattern, and that is uh, from the perspective of deaths per 100,000 from COVID, excess deaths. So here you'd include deaths from COVID, deaths from other diseases that were not treated because of COVID, because of lockdowns or because of, oh, FJ, uh, FG, Thank you. $50. Really appreciate it. Simon, thank you. Really appreciate the support uh, from you guys. Thank you. Um, So, uh, and it includes maybe the decline in deaths because of less traffic accidents or whatever uh, through lockdowns, through COVID. But it was interesting to see kind of the countries and the excess death. So, for example, what it showed, I think, is that if what you care about is excess death, then um, the best policy, if you only care about excess death, is the best policy is absolute totalitarian lockdowns. Shut everybody down. Don't let them move. And indeed, you'd expect that, right? If everybody's home, can't leave home, they're literally not going to infect other people. Um, and, and, and they're not going to be driving, so no traffic accidents. They, um, you know, they're not, they're not going to be out and about. And it turns out that if you do that, right, if you do that, then excess deaths go down. So, for example, Australia saw amazing results from its lockdowns. If what you care about is just excess deaths, excess deaths were actually negative. Fewer people died in Australia than would have been expected. China. Locks everybody down. Not a lot of people are dying in China. Right? Maybe, maybe ultimately they'll be dying of starvation. But so far, not that many people. So authoritarianism in this narrow sense works. right? Of course it doesn't because it creates all kinds of other problems. It destroys your economy and it, it, and it, and it, 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 it creates depression. It creates all, other, all kinds of other things. But in terms of all, if all you care about is, is excess deaths, 
But, and this is interesting, if you're not totalitarian, that is, if you're not just shutting people down, then countries that had lockdowns did worse than countries that didn't have lockdowns. So, for example, Sweden originally was criticized heavily for not having lockdowns. They basically told the citizens, we're not locking you down. You know, hear, hear the facts, behave like adults, socially distance, wear masks, uh, uh, be careful, uh, everything, and people. And, you know, Sweden had too many excess deaths because of COVID because they didn't protect the elderly. They didn't do anything to kind of, uh, they didn't do enough testing of people who were dealing with elderly so that uh, a lot of people in old age homes, like in the US and like in other places, died uh, of COVID. But they had, in total, fewer excess deaths than many other countries in Europe where the lockdowns were pretty stringent. Not as stringent as China and Australia, but pretty stringent. The UK, which originally had very stringent lockdowns, but then as the uh, pandemic progressed, was viewed as one of the looser countries in terms of restrictions, actually, again, had a lot fewer excess deaths than many other countries in Europe that are a lot more stringent. So it turns out that if, you know, the freedom actually works, that not being totalitarian, but not being authoritarian at all, not doing lockdowns at all. And you see the same results out of Florida, out of out of the United States. Uh, Florida didn't lock down or had a lot, it, it locked down originally, but then it had a, a lot looser policies than the rest of the U.S. California locked down a lot. Well, in the end, Florida and California, when you control for age of population and all these other things, didn't do that differently. So freedom works. You don't get worse results when you respect freedom. You don't get worse results when you respect people's um, people's ability to make choices for themselves, people's ability to pursue values for themselves. And you benefit from the fact, just from purely material perspective, you benefit from the fact that people go to work and they produce and, and the economy doesn't take a, a huge hit. So, um, so I think the numbers coming out of the, the coming out on excess deaths are super interesting, and they go against a lot of the ultimate recommendations of the World Health Organization and, and the U.S. and so on. Uh, in that, ultimately, lockdowns did not work. Lockdowns in the West, lockdowns that were not totalitarian lockdowns, did not work. And of course, if you look at lockdowns in China, they're not going to work. Not in the sense of the well-being of the country. I mean, Shanghai has been shut down for weeks now. There's no production. I, I just saw video of people locked up in a, a manufacturing plant and dormitories uh, where they're producing, I think, MacBooks for Apple. And these people are fed up and they're breaking through the barricades. And this is in China where they're, f where they, they're afraid of, of repercussions. And they're just, they're just, they're not willing to take it anymore. And they're breaking through. And I think generally, I wouldn't expect if we saw some social unrest in China, I wouldn't expect if, if this started to, to create some, some, uh, some hostility 
of the population versus, uh, against Xi. I wouldn't be surprised, although I don't expect this, but I wouldn't be surprised that Xi has a hard time in the upcoming meetings of the uh, Chinese Communist Party to get kind of the lifetime appointment that he is seeking, um, kind of the third and another term. Uh, I think this is going to cause a lot of problems in China. I think the economy is shot. The economy is in real trouble in China. Uh, not only are they experiencing the same kind of cost of living increases that we're all seeing over here, production is down, jobs are down. The government has already printed a lot of money. Now they're going to have to print out more money to hand to people so they don't revolt against this. Um, all of this, all of this. Sorry, is, could you say that again? Oh, Siri, stop it. I wasn't talking to you. All of this uh, is just being, a, is going to be and is and will be a complete and utter disaster uh, for China. So, um No lockdowns. I mean, it's unbelievable what Western governments got away with. It's unbelievable what the Australians let their government do. Um, Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people. And you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. A new year full of surprises. But one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Uh, Australians and New Zealanders, but uh, we should be now prepared to fight these lockdowns and to prevent them from happening in the future. Um, all right. Yeah, I mean, it, this is not a deliberate strategy. I, I don't know what the strategy is. So Free Trade says... There are hundreds of cargo ships off the off the Chinese coast that can't load, upload, unload. Someone suggested it's a deliberate strategy. It's a deliberate strategy to commit suicide. I mean, it's the worst thing possible for China. It's much worse for China than it is for the rest of us. So, um, un, uh, uh, China's in deep, deep trouble. Xi, I think, is in trouble because of what's going on. All right, finally. Uh, the war, uh, you know, there's a there's kind of a deadline on on what's going on with the war, because um, there is a um, uh, May 9th is Victory Day, um, and May 9th is the day that the Russians celebrate when they pretend 
delude themselves into thinking that they won World War II. Um, and uh, Putin's going to make a big deal out of May 9th. May 9th is Monday. Uh, and he wants to be able to declare victory in Ukraine. And yet there is no victory. Uh, he is, uh, he, he, you know, they, they have not moved on the Eastern Front, uh, in, barely inches. The, in some parts of the Eastern Front, the Ukrainians are counterattacking and are defeating the Russians and, uh, and getting back some of the land that the Russians originally took from them. Uh, and Mariupol, a, a city where there's been fighting for weeks now, uh, maybe, maybe they'll be able to take control of, uh, they've taken control of most of it, but there's still Ukrainian fighters there fighting in the steel plant, uh, this complex of tunnels. The, 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 the Russians are trying to get rid of them before May 9th. They can announce that Mariupol is now in the hands of Russia. It is possible that uh, on May 9th, Putin will announce the annexation of all the occupied territory that the Russians have taken, the annexation of all that territory into Russia, uh, doubling down on everything that he's done. But in terms of actual progress on the ground, Russia's making almost no progress. Uh, in terms of, um, you know, uh, we talked about the, the sinking of the one Russian ship, the Moscow. Uh, it turns out that yesterday another Russian hit, uh, ship was hit by a missile. And by the way, I mistakenly, uh, in the show, I talked about the Moscow. I mistakenly said that the missile that hit the ship was a was a Western missile. It wasn't. It's a Ukrainian-built missile based on Russian technology used against the Russian ships. It looks like the second uh, missile is hitting uh, hits another one of their ships. It is on fire. It is a disaster. I mean, this war is an unmitigated disaster for Putin. As I've said from day one, he is losing. Uh, there's more discussion about Sweden and Finland joining NATO. That in and of itself would uh, would signify um, that Russia has lost the war. If the war was to prevent NATO from expanding, if the war was to prevent NATO from, uh, you know, having even a bigger border with Russia than uh, Sweden and Finland are much more devastating to Russia than uh, having them become members of NATO are much more devastating than Ukraine. Uh, they are both well-armed countries. Sweden has a pretty good military industry. Both of them joining NATO would be... Anyway, um, Putin, luckily and thankfully, uh, is uh, is losing this war and is uh, devastating. Uh, there are rumors now. Uh, I see it over, all over the British newspapers. I haven't seen it much coming out of the United States, but there are rumors now that both the FSB, the, the former KGB, and, uh, gen- and former generals uh, of the Russian army um, are conspiring to get rid of Putin, that they are working to try to depose him. That would be fantastic if somebody put a bullet um, in his skull. Uh, that would be a good thing. Um, well, we'll see. Who knows? There are other rumors that he's sick. Uh, that he's got cancer or that he's got something else. That he, so who knows? Um, it, it would be good if we could get rid of Putin and start over and uh, and bring some peace to Ukraine. What's happening in Ukraine is a massive tragedy for the Ukrainian people and and, and to some extent for the Russian people, although I, I, I don't have too much sympathy for most of the Russian people because, um, because the Russian people seem to... Uh, 
the Russian people seem to be supportive of Putin, or at least significant numbers of them are. Uh, so as I said, war basically going badly uh, for Russia, continues to go badly for Russia. Uh, now Europe is talking about stopping importation of oil. I don't think that's that big of a deal. The real issue is uh, is natural gas. Uh, that's where the big bucks um, that Europe sends to Russia every day uh, come from. Uh, oil is not that big of a deal. He'll just sell it to somebody else uh, instead. Um, so um, there you go. I was going to talk about student loans. Maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow. There's a bunch of other stuff we can talk about tomorrow, so we'll, we'll cover that tomorrow. All right, it's it's late over here, so let's uh, let's see two things. One is, uh, you know, we're we're not at 300 yet, and there's another 300. So I don't know if somebody wants to come in and uh, wrap this up and get us to 600 quickly, or if you want to ask a bunch of questions for 20 or 50 dollars. But uh, we need to get we need to get the super chat money. Uh, uh, we need to get the numbers up. Let's see. There was there was a fifty dollar question here. Yes, Daniel Henry asked. Daniel says, uh, "You said that Roe, uh, even if poorly reasoned and written by justices that don't understand rights, is preferable to losing abortion rights. How do you square with this with hoping the court isn't influenced by the leak? Seems like pragmatism versus principle." Look, I think that the idea of having the court understand rights properly is just fantasy. That That is not going to happen. It's not going to happen anytime soon. It might not happen in my lifetime. Um, I think that while the reasoning of the court decision, Gene, thank you for the support, in Roe versus Wade was poor, it wasn't ridiculous. Using the 14th Amendment and, and, and coming up with some kind of right to privacy is a stretch, and it's not the best argument. It's 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 not a great argument. It's still better than nothing. It's still an argument. Uh, I think it's still a valid argument in terms of um, in terms of protecting rights. At the end of the day, what do we care about? We care about protecting rights. And if the argument is false that protects rights, it's it's still an argument. Not false, but weak. It's still better than no argument at all, or, or it, it's still better than not protecting rights at all. But the the road decision wasn't. It isn't a decision that just says, "Well, we like abortion, so we're just going to pat. We're going to just going to say it's okay." That's not what it is. It is an argument. It is reasoning. It's just not particularly good reasoning. That's not the same as turning the Supreme Court into a political ping-pong, turning the Supreme Court into a place where pressure groups are going to influence it, where, where decisions are leaked in advance, where everybody knows who stands where, and then the, the pressure comes down. I mean, we saw that a little bit with the, Obama, the original Obamacare decision, where it seems like somebody put significant pressure on Roberts to flip and to rule that Obamacare was constitutional, even though he originally was going to vote that it was not constitutional. And then if you remember, he came up with this thing about a mandate really being a tax and being part of, not the mandate, the uh, the penalty, really being a tax and therefore legitimate under the taxing powers, which was completely ridiculous, stupid, 
out of nowhere, out of left field argument that seemed to be a result of this kind of pressure. The pressure's already there. It's just relatively muted as compared to the other branches of government. What I'd hate to see is that kind of pressure becoming a norm. And what I think the leak is trying to do is to make that. So I, I see a big difference between having decisions be based on pressure group politics versus having decisions. And almost look, every single Supreme Court decision out there, in my view, is poorly decided. Because if you have judges that are not, don't have a full comprehensive understanding of individual rights, they're not going to decide cases well. Even when they decide them right, they're not going to decide them well. So if they're not deciding all these cases 100% right, at least if they make the right decision, that's a good thing. Because rights are being protected by them making the right decision, even if it's not well argued. Thank you, Daniel. Uh, That was very generous. All right, let's see. Emmanuel, thank you. Really appreciate the support. Uh, we are over 300 now, so uh, that's good. So uh, slowly, slowly, chipping away at it. Keep going. Need a few hundred dollars, $50 questions, and we'll slam through the, uh, the, uh, the, the a big goal. Let's see. James. Um, okay, uh, here's $20. I was curious because it appears the UK is headed to a depression, um, and at the same time, a, a lot of people from Eastern Europe with skills are moving in droves there. It is an odd situation. So I don't know if the UK is heading towards a depression. I don't see any signs of it. I'll just tell you that London is teeming with people. I mean, you go outside my hotel here. I'm near Chinatown, and there's just thousands of people in the streets. It's buzzing. It's busy. Uh, Even during COVID, it was a little busy. Now it's it's almost back to normal. Maybe it is back to normal. Um, so, um, you know, I love London. It's one of my favorite cities. It's, it's, uh, uh, Tessa, thank you. Really appreciate the support. Um, it's a great city. I don't see any evidence of a depression. It could very well be that uh, the UK is heading towards a recession. It's certainly what you are seeing is a significant rise in cost of living. You're seeing inflation, inflation rise, and you're seeing a, a much more aggressive Bank of England and the Federal Reserve is in trying to defeat inflation by raising interest rates. Now, will interest rates affect inflation? Not clear. Uh, you know, are they doing anything to kind of take money out of circulation like the Federal Reserve claims that it's going to start doing by shrinking its balance sheet? Um, what is interesting is that while the number of Eastern Europeans coming into UK it has shrunk dramatically because of COVID, because of sorry because of Brexit. So with Brexit, it has become much more difficult for Europeans to come to the UK and work. But what's interesting is that the UK has not stopped and has not reduced the number of immigrants coming in. They're just not Eastern Europeans anymore. There are a lot less Poles and, and, uh, and, and others that are coming, uh, Spaniards, uh, Portuguese from all over Europe, coming to, uh, uh, 
you know, coming to coming to the UK to work. But yet immigration is back to the levels it was before Brexit. So who is coming? And it's fascinating, and I wonder if the people who voted for Brexit expected this outcome or wanted this outcome. But the fact is that the people coming into the UK today uh, to fill in the jobs that uh, that are needed uh, to, you know, and to sustain the the size of immigration that the UK seems to want and desire, and that the US economy needs, UK economy needs, they're from India. Pakistan and places like that. So you're getting uh, more Muslims, Pakistanis, more Indians, uh, more Africans, a lot of Nigerians, a lot of people from from the colonies are coming. Uh, so people with brown and black skin, um, which is interesting. So they're getting fewer Europeans and more. And I'm not sure that's exactly what the Brexit folks had in mind. Uh I have no problem with it. I, I you know, I'm pro-immigration. Period. Uh, but uh, Brexit, I was surprised. I was really surprised by this. Brexit did not reduce the amount of immigration. It just shifted where the immigrants were coming from. Instead of coming from Europe, they're coming from Africa and Asia, and that I find interesting. Um, but you know, the UK is suffering from uh, from um, inflation. Interest rates are going up. When interest rates go up like this, it's likely to be uh, it's likely to create a recession. So we're probably heading towards recession. I don't think depression. Stephen, ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents. Thank you. Really, really appreciate that. That's brought us up to close to basically four hundred and fifty. So uh, um, thank you for doing that. All right. Let's see, $20 question. Jennifer, Jennifer says, I'm glad you got on Neil Oliver's show. I am too. I also wish it was a better topic. Neil's not an objectivist, but I think he is pretty good. I hope it is enjoyable for you. I'm sure I'll enjoy it. I'm sure it's going to be fun, uh, you know, and I'm sure I'll upset a bunch of people. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it should be a blast. I'll, I'll tell you about it after the fact, tomorrow. Uh, Alan. Um, $21 general support. I can't donate right now because I'm also supporting Ukraine charities. Uh, what a dumb war. Sorry about that. No problem. I understand wanting to support the Ukraine charities. I think uh, they are charities worthy of support. Okay. Uh, Free Trade says 219 uh, S-E-K. What is S-E-K again? I, I knew that, but I can't remember what it is. Here is the defenders of, of, of Azovostal. That's the uh, steel plant in Mariupol uh, that's being defended. Uh, fight with the power of capitalism. Unfortunately, they're not fighting with the power of capitalism uh, because there is no capitalism, certainly not in Ukraine or in the world. But they're fighting with the power of uh, a healthy patriotism. They're fighting with the power of Fighting for their families, fighting for for their for 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 what is theirs, fighting for their freedom, fighting for themselves. Swedish Krona, thank you. Ah, Sweden. So, uh, you know, so uh, they're incredibly brave. Uh, I don't know how many of them are going to survive. Uh, they are fighting inch. They're forcing the Russians to fight them 
for every inch. They are taking a lot of Russian casualties, um, and uh, they are preventing Putin from declaring victory. And yeah, I mean, it's it's they are truly heroic, truly heroic, and and good for them. So thank you, free trade. FG, uh, thank you. Another fifty dollars. I think you already gave a bunch. Thanks. Really appreciate that. We're now at, yeah, we're now at uh, five hundred bucks. So just a hundred short of our goal. I'm sure we can make it, guys. So five twenty dollar questions, and we're there. We have no more twenty dollar questions. All the questions are pretty, are pretty light monetarily. The ones I've got left to answer. So I'm gonna run through them. But if you ask a twenty dollar question, um, um, you will get priority. I will answer yours before I answer the rest. Okay, Michael says. You say once the government gets that kind of power, they will never return your freedom. But massive freedom was taken away during COVID and has been returned in full. Has it? In full? I don't think it's been returned in full. Uh, There's still all kinds of restrictions in most places. Um, And they now have that lever of putting restrictions in and withdrawing them and and so on. Um, They have that precedent uh, you know, government, what usually happens is during times of war, during times of emergency, takes on a whole bunch of new powers. And then it gives some of them back, but it always ends with more power than it begun. And I suspect that the U.S. government has more power now than when COVID began and has uh, more restrictions on our freedom than when it began. Uh, it's not all back um, and it and it and the precedent is maybe the most dangerous thing of all. Um, Michael says this would be a good time to reach out to Ben Shapiro to have that abortion debate. Um, good idea. I'll, I'll send him an email. See if uh, if he responds. That'll be that would be uh, fun to do. Uh, Bash again. What is objectivism's or your position on prescription drugs? Should any drug require a prescription? I think at the end of the day, that is a decision that pharmacies and doctors should make. I mean, uh, you you could imagine a world, a a, a completely free market in which uh, drug companies and pharmacies come to an agreement that, um, and and doctors, uh, you know, basically come to an agreement that uh, some drugs will not be over the counter that the pharmacy will not sell a drug uh, to the public unless they get a prescription from a doctor. You could imagine the drug companies, maybe for liability reasons, maybe for other reasons, might say to the pharmacy, here's a drug, I'm willing for you to carry this drug, but we want you only to give it away to sell it uh, with, a, uh, with a prescription. Maybe pharmacies will compete over this, and, and we can see what the consumer really wants. But I have a feeling that um, the market will segregate drugs into drugs that are just available to anybody and drugs that require, uh, where the pharmacy or the drug company, for liability reasons, are going to require uh, a prescription. Not just liability reasons, just because the fact is drug companies and pharmacies, I know this will shock you and surprise you and upset you, they care about human life and they care about their customers. And if they think that's a better regime under for the customers, that they might advocate for it. All right, important John at 20 pounds. 
Why do you support a protectionist trade bloc like the EU? Many people voted Brexit so we could embrace free trade with the rest of the world. Yeah, but you haven't. I would support free trade. And I would, I would support, sorry, I would support Brexit if you engage in free trade with the rest of the world. But you haven't. You don't have free trade with the rest of the world. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No Free trade doesn't require uh, agreements. Free trade just requires uh, the lowering of tariffs to zero. As far as I can tell, the United Kingdom, post Brexit, has many, 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 many more tariffs than it had pre Brexit. Uh, so you've taken a step away from free trade. You've taken a step away from liberty and freedom by, uh, by uh, embracing Brexit. Now, maybe in the future you will, um, you will I- I- embrace free trade, but I don't see it. I don't see a desire within the UK. I don't see any uh, uh, British government. The conservatives are not free traders, and, and the, certainly the labor is not free trade. Why don't why isn't there a free trade agreement with Africa to bring in food to the UK? It would lower up food prices, it would be disinflationary, it would help uh, not that this is why you should do it, but it would certainly help Africa. It would reduce poverty in Africa, it'd increase jobs in Africa, reduce the I- immigration problem that Europe is having from Africa. And it, and and it, 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 the UK would it would lower prices and you'd get probably better quality or equal quality and more diverse uh, food. Uh, the reason is uh, the UK has a protectionist policy to protect UK farmers. Why uh, don't you have a free trade agreement with the, with the US? Or why don't you just lower tariffs to zero for US goods? Or for Japanese goods? Or for, I don't know, for, uh, for, for Korean goods? Or for, you haven't done it. Why are you have tariffs on German goods? If you really believe in free trade, why don't you lower tariffs to zero on EU goods? So I don't I, I get it that there was a lot of wishful thinking among the pro-Brexit crowd, important John, you among them, and, and me, I was generally pro-Brexit. I said I'm pro-Brexit if they actually do it, if they actually become a free trade island. But the, you haven't. I'm here in England. There are more tariffs today, more tariffs today. I, I, I challenge you to, 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 to present me with evidence to the contrary. There are more tariffs today than there were before Brexit. Because at least with Brexit, pre-Brexit, you had no tariffs on goods from the European Union. Now you have tariffs on goods in the European Union, and you still have tariffs 
on goods from the U.S., from China, from Japan, from Korea, and, and from the colonies, from the former British colonies. You have maybe a trade agreement with Canada and Australia, but even those, that's not a free trade agreement. It's like these goods will reduce tariffs and these goods we won't, and these are the conditions. And Who needs trade agreements? There shouldn't be trade agreements. This should just be free trade. So if you supported Brexit because you support free trade, you should be massively disappointed in Brexit. And there is no chance. It doesn't have a chance. It doesn't. Because nobody in Great Britain believes in free trade. And this is what I said before Brexit. I said, you don't establish freedom by gaining independence. You establish freedom by having pro-freedom ideas. And as long as the UK doesn't have those ideas, and they don't exist here, you're not going to establish freedom. And the same with regulations. The whole idea was, let's get let's have Brexit so we can free ourselves of EU regulations. But the fact is, the fact is that you've kept all the EU regulations. And indeed, in some areas, like climate change, you have worse regulations than the EU. So what benefit did you get from Brexit? Other than now, you have tariffs on European goods. There's no free movement of labor. The uh, Brits have to stand in line with Americans to get into the EU at passport control at the border. And there's no, there's no free movement of capital. So it's hurt banking in the city, although banks will survive. So I think Brexit has been a massive disappointment. That's my view. Jupiter. 20 bucks. He says he's new here. That's fantastic. Welcome, Jupiter. Would you have trouble maintaining a relationship with friends or family members who support Putin? Would you consider that a corruption of the mind? Yes, I would. I mean, generally, I have a problem with friends and family who, are, who, who are, have irrational ideas. Now, look, if your relationship with the family members, let's say, or with the friends is important to you for a variety of reasons then just don't talk about it. But, I, you know, when I go, for example, to Israel and I meet with my family, and I still have members of my family who are quite left, particularly on economic issues, as soon as that issue comes up, I walk away. I won't engage. It's not worth it. I'm not going to convince them. It's just going to, I'm just going to get upset. So if you have family members who are pro-Putin, and, but you, you value the relationship for other reasons, then I would just make a rule. We're not discussing that issue. We're not. We're just not talking about it because it's too upsetting, and I'll come to hate you, and I don't want to hate you. So um, that would be my rule. But yes, I think Putin is one of the many, many, many topics that uh, piss me off. Um, Michael says I notice evil people always want to walk on eggshells it seems to be a playbook that they all follow making you nervous is the first step towards breaking your soul yeah I mean they, 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 they create ambiguous rules and, and uh, ambiguity is what makes you walk on eggshells because you don't know. If the rules 
and authoritarians understand that they make the rules ambiguous because if you understand what the rules are that you can follow them you can take care of yourself you can protect yourself and then you can find ways around them but if the rules are ambiguous and fluid you never know when you're violating them you never know when they're going to come after you and that's a, a huge tool of authoritarians and of of evil to control you uh, James asks uh, will this cause the repeal of Roe versus Wade the, the cause the Democrats to win 2022 midterms that appears to have been a very good idea to leak it now it was a distraction from the economy um, Andrew asked a $20 question on Catholicism oh yeah you're right sorry uh, I've got it, so uh, it'll be the next one I answer. Sorry, I didn't see. Somehow I skipped the fact that it was $20. I apologize. Um, I said this the other day when I talked about Roe versus Wade. I, I, I think at the margin, it it is uh, repealing Roe versus Wade will benefit Democrats in the midterm elections. I don't think it will benefit them enough to um, to win. I still think Republicans will win, uh, certainly in the House. The Senate will be trickier, but but certainly in the House. Uh, but at the margin, they'll win less big because of this, because it, this will motivate young people and women who who uh, want to vote Democratic to go out and vote in an election, in midterm elections, which are typically low turnout elections. So getting, getting marginal voters to come and vote uh, can have a big impact on the outcome. All right, let's see. Um, yes, Andrew's $20 questions. And by the way, we are, where are we? We're just like 57, 50, $57 away from, um, yeah, $57 away from, the $600 goal. So if somebody wants to kick in $57 to get us to the goal, that'd be fantastic. I'm almost out of questions. Uh, almost out of questions. Christopher says, I'm guessing young women vote a lot. You're wrong. Young women don't vote. Young people generally don't vote a lot. Uh, the older you are, the more likely you are to vote. And the people who vote the most are senior citizens. So uh, if you create a situation where you incentivize young women to come out to vote, Abortion is one of those situations where that provides an incentive. And in marginal races that would have gone Republican otherwise, Democrats could take those races because of this. Andrew says, any thoughts on why Catholicism causes anti-sex views, including any impact on altruism? Yeah, I mean, look, Catholicism is a a religion of sacrifice. It's a philosophy of sacrifice. It's a philosophy of original sin. Uh, sex ultimately is the original sin. It's, it's uh, it, you know, uh, remember that in the Garden of Eden, there was no sex. In the Garden of Eden, there was no sex. Uh, and, you know, sex is, 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 is a necessary evil for procreation once we leave the Garden of Eden once we're outside of paradise. Um, but the reason, the deep down fundamental reason Catholicism is anti-sex 
is because it's anti-plasia. Catholicism is anti-life. It's anti-this life. It's anti-this world. Uh, it, it is a philosophy about of, of suffering, of sacrifice, of altruism. There's the altruism, right? Sacrifice. For the idea of a, a much better life in an afterlife. And of course, in the afterlife, there's no sex. Sex is dirty. Sex is materialistic. Sex is physical. Uh, sex is is non, according to the Catholics, non-spiritual, quite the opposite of what sex actually is. Sex is beautiful. Sex is spiritual. Um, so yes, Catholicism is anti-sex for all those reasons. Uh, you know, Ayn Rand has some good essays on this, on on the anti-pleasure philosophy of, of much of Christianity. And it definitely has to do everything with altruism. Your life, your life doesn't matter. And therefore, your pleasure doesn't matter. Right? Remember, uh, yeah, thank you, uh, Christopher, for reminding me. Jesus' mother doesn't have sex. She's a virgin. How much more anti-sex can you get than immaculate conception? And what makes her a saint, what makes her Mary, this amazing woman, is that she doesn't have sex. Right? So, everything about Catholicism, everything about um, the view of altruism and sacrifice and suffering and, and your life doesn't matter, what matters is God and the afterlife is anti-sex. Do Catholics ignore the Song of Solomon? I mean, there's a lot of sex in the Old Testament. Catholics generally, uh, Christians generally, ignore big chunks of the of of uh, of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is too worldly. Uh, I mean, I don't know. There's a chapter in uh, the Book of Kings, not the Book of Kings. I forget the name of the book, but where, where King David, where King David is, it wakes up. The chapter starts with King David, I think, waking up with two women in his bed. Right? What were they doing there? We all know what they were doing there. But it's like sex is just part of life. King David is completely lustful throughout his entire reign, and he's considered King David. He's like the greatest king we've had. So, you know, in the Old Testament, it has a much healthier view of sex than uh, than Christianity does. All right, we're at five hundred and $55 short. God, I can't do math at this hour. So um, come on, somebody can do the $55 and get us there. Or, or, or just a couple, two and a half questions at 20 bucks a piece and we're there. James says, why do people not understand that the U.S. has no abortion law? Roe versus Wade was a court ruling. Congress makes laws, not the courts. That is why GA bans abortion and legal in California. What does it say about our education? Well, we, our people know very little about the Constitution, about how law is made and what it is. But it is true that I think most states have abortion laws. 
um, in terms of thank you, FG. So FG just bought us to basically six hundred dollars with a, a another fifty dollar contribution. Thank you, FG. Um, a lot of states have laws because uh, many states have limitations on uh, third trimester abortions or second trimester abortions or on uh, what do you call them? Uh, uh, you know, so so the, the, there is law that relates to abortion in almost every state. Even though, yes, Roe versus Wade is not a law, it is a court ruling. Actually, we're five bucks short of the 600. Um, Free Trade asks, thoughts about the Wall Street Journal? I'm trying it out for you. As I said, generally a good newspaper is well written, but it is true that... Um, uh, that the, uh, you know, the news writers for the Wall Street Journal tend to be very leftist and tend to bias the stories in a leftist way uh, that it's the editorial page at the Wall Street Journal that tends to be more pro-free markets and more pro-freedom. Buzz asks, is COVID going to be a thing forever? I don't know that it's going to be, it's going to be with us forever probably. It's not going away to what extent is it a thing is hard to tell. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, Jacob, for taking us over the 600 bucks. Really appreciate the support. Boaz also asks, what's the latest on the war? Who is winning? I told you that. Nobody so much is winning as Russia is clearly losing. Uh, Boaz asks, if Putin will win, will the war be over? I think so. I, I think there's no appetite by other leaders within Russia for this war. I think this is primarily viewed as Putin's war, I think a, a new leader will be able to cut a deal to, to stop this easier, whereas Putin has too much of his pride tied into it. Um, thanks, KFAX, for helping get us over the $600 threshold. Boss says, New York City is back, uh, except for Midtown offices. Yeah, I think that's right. That Last time I was in New York City, that's the sense I got. Most of New York City was back. Midtown seemed still dead. Uh, the offices there, the banks, the, the, the that'll take a while before all of that comes back. Uh, Bozos says, says, knowledge workers can work from anywhere. True, I'm not sure they want to work from any, anywhere. I think there's value in being the office, even for knowledge workers, particularly young knowledge workers. I wish they understood that better. Um, but not all workers are knowledge workers. There's still a huge need, particularly in a place like hospitality, in a place like London, which has a lot of hotels and a lot of tourists, for physical workers. And uh, for that, in the UK, you need immigration, some form of immigration. Uh, finally, this is the last question we have. Boss says, cryptocurrencies and crypto stocks are crashing bubble. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've said this for a while now that um, a, a lot of these stocks were way overvalued, that I didn't understand the value of crypto, I, you know, how people were valuing and what they were valuing it for. Um, I think, I think uh, I, you know, I don't know that Bitcoin is crashing. It's, it's down today quite a bit, but, uh, uh, it, you know, I, I, I don't know what the proper value for Bitcoin is. I don't know uh, the extent to which this crash is, this, this decline is meaningful. The, the broader stock market technology stocks are down like 1.4%. Uh, so it's it's uh, today, uh, let's see, Bitcoin, Bitcoin uh, over the last 24 hours 
is down a percent. You know, over the last five days, Bitcoin is down six percent. So you know, it's not fifty percent, sixty percent a real crash. Um, but yeah, there is a decline in uh, in uh, generally in technology stocks. There is fear of a recession. Um, there's fear of inflation. It just proves that Bitcoin is not an inflation hedge, among other things. Uh, and it's it's also not a um, um, it's not a you know so it's, it's very susceptible to recessions and people having money and people having the ability to buy more Bitcoin. Uh, Enric asked, "Will Ukraine be able to push Russia completely out of their country?" Then followed by Georgia doing that. I'm not sure Georgia can do it. Georgia's tiny. It's got a tiny population. Um, there is a chance that, uh, you know, Ukraine can do it. Uh, we will see. I have a feeling that uh, Russia will sue for peace before that, and, and Ukraine might be pressured to accept that peace deal. But, um, you know, Ukraine is getting these American howitzer guns. God, those things are powerful. The Russians won't know what hit them once those go full into action on the Eastern Front. I mean, the, the, the firepower that they have, the ability to target, the accuracy that these guns have, the Russians don't have anything close. They really don't. Um, KFAX says, a cryptocurrencies act like tech stocks, not good as currency. Yeah, I, I think that's right. They're, they're much more correlated with um, tech stocks than they are correlated with their value as a currency. All right, everybody, thank you. I really appreciate the support. We made it to 600. That is fantastic. Uh, we need to keep that up. We need to keep it out throughout the entire month. I will see you tomorrow. I'm not sure exactly what time, maybe 10 o'clock, something like that. Um, uh, we will see. Maybe when the Celtics game is over. Maybe 11 o'clock. We'll see. Um, definitely want to watch the Celtics game tomorrow. Um And then we'll also have a show on Sunday. And then I'm on vacation with my wife, so there might not be a lot of shows for the rest of the week. All right, everybody. I will see you tomorrow. Check out my appearance on uh, Mark Dolan's show on GB News. And check out tomorrow at 6.15, around 6.15, my appearance on Oliver's, uh, Neil Oliver's show. Thanks, guys. Don't forget, I've got two sponsors uh, I've got uh, expressvpn.com slash Iran. You can get three extra months. And fountainheadcast.com where you can buy uh, beautiful art and, uh, and enrich your life. So check them both out. The links are below. And I will see you all tomorrow. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.